Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in this house. We thank you, Lord God. As the psalmist said, Who am I that thou art mindful of me? Who am I that thou art mindful of me? Don't you love the Lord tonight? Aren't you thankful for Him, His presence, His power? I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 22, and I, I will be with you here in a moment. I want to lay the groundwork, if you will, tonight. I feel that, that God wants to deliver something. My notes have a lot of something in it, so we'll see where He takes us. I will, I will get to our text here in a moment. But we know those of us that have ever been in a history class that the reason why we have history, Cameron's all excited, the reason why we have history is so that we can learn from it, glean knowledge and wisdom from past experiences and try not to repeat previous mistakes and try to repeat many triumphs. Uh, you can ask my brother. I'm so glad that they came over. It's, a, it's not a, an easy drive, about an hour and a half to be with us. I'm so glad that they're here. But my brother knows that I grew up a history nerd. And uh, I, I literally... Uh, told my history teacher in eighth grade how George Washington died and I raised my hands because she said he just died of old age and I said ma'am you're wrong right in front of everybody wasn't a good idea but I uh I, I was just a nerd I loved it I loved everything about it I, I I loved all the stories I loved hearing of 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 great men and women that had had done so many things in history but history the reason we have history, and history is so prominent, is because there are comes times throughout our existence that, that can make or break us. There are times that we need dynamic leaders. We need men and women to take control of a situation, and, and usually it's in dire circumstances to turn things around. We can say that really the greatest history lesson of all and the greatest leader of all would be Jesus Christ because He came into a hopeless situation which was this earth that was clothed in sin and He, he took it upon Himself and He went to the cross and He went to the grave and He rose from the dead to take this, this dire circumstance, this dire situation, and turn it around. These are, these are moments that define who we are, that literally those in this house that call themselves a Christian, that, that is a moment that defines who we are. That is a moment that stands out to us in history. But we live here in America, and, and American history is American history is, is is full of do's and don'ts. It's full of triumphs. It's full of failures. But yet, over two hundred years later, we remain. 
History is full of figures like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison. You, you can talk about the great generals uh, uh, of our, our, our era, uh, of our time, like, like uh, 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 oh Lord, his name just left me, but um, like Patton. Yes, there he is, like Patton. And we talk about Eisenhower. We, we talk about all these great leaders like Ulysses S. Grant and Robert E. Lee and, and, and General Stonewall Jackson and many of those and we, we talk about them but what made them who they are was moments moments made them who they were like for example the birth of this nation 1776 we declare our independence war has already broken out in the colonies and I promise I, I will get to our text tonight but we were sick and tired of really a, a form of British captivity. Through taxes and legislation, they had made it so hard to even function in society. And, and people could not colonize uh, west of the Appalachians. And there were so many rules and there were so many regulations. And, and people could not grow. People could not flourish. It was li literally like a slave colony in a sense. And, and no one had any hopes of grandeur or making a better life for themselves. But we know the story that... We declare our independence. We go to war with Great Britain. But the history of that war at the beginning is very bleak. George Washington is given command by the Continental Congress of all the Continental Armies. And he starts off his tenure with failure. He's not winning any battles. He loses New York. He loses Philadelphia. And I promise I'm, I'm going somewhere. I, I know... Not all of you are like me and love history, so this may bore you, but I promise I, I'm getting somewhere tonight. But there were many that even after George Washington was appointed commander-in-chief of the Continental Armies that didn't believe that he had it in him to succeed. That didn't believe that he was the man that could win. They didn't believe he was the man that could lead. And, and really their thoughts were confirmed in his first few engagements after loss after loss and defeat after defeat. They, they were convinced that this man was a failure. There was talks about replacing him because he wasn't good enough. There was talks that they would give it over to General Gates and let him lead because he was the only one that seemed to have a square head on his shoulders. And Then we find that things get from bad to worse and George Washington goes to winter in what we know as Valley Forge in the winter of 1777 through 1778 and things look worse than they've ever looked. His men are starving. There's disease throughout the camp. He's trying and he's, he's begging. He's writing people in surrounding community. He's trying to get food and provisions for his men. It looks awful. He writes to Congress and he tells them, listen, and Congress already doesn't, there's many in Congress that already don't care for him. And, and, and he writes to them and he tells them, we are in a do or die, we are in a make or break situation here. I, I need your help. And many in Congress thought he was just exaggerating uh, what, he, what he needed and his, what his wants were. And he said, I want you to come here. I want you to see for yourself. 
what's going on here. They show up and they are just repulsed by what they see. Men literally laying on the ground, dying of exposure to the elements and dying of disease. But there was something that they came away from that visit that they did not expect. And they would write and many of them would discuss as they would go back to the Congress and they would say, we have realized that there is no other man that can keep this army together other than George Washington. There's too much respect. There's too much loyalty. He, he fights too hard for his men. They said that there is no one else that could lead these men through what they're going through than George Washington. We find that 2,500 men, around 2,500 men lose their lives at the camp at Valley Forge. But yet, when the spring comes, we read in history that his army is stronger than it's ever been. His army is more disciplined and more determined than they've ever been. And we know what the outcome is, that we win the war. His army comes through this, this terrible time in Valley Forge, and they go from trial to triumph because at the right time there was a right man for the job and he heard the call, he heard the cry of his men and he said, listen, I need to intervene. I need to be the leader that they need me to be. I need to step up and answer the call of these men. I need to be there for them. And we see this throughout history. Through the Civil War, we see that Abraham Lincoln goes through general after general after general, Hooker, Burnside. He goes through uh, General Halleck, and he goes through all these men until he finds Ulysses S. Grant, and he's the one. He's the one. He's the leader for the time. He's the one that hears the cry and answers the call. You say, what does this have to do with anything tonight? I want to read you quick, just really, really quickly, two verses in Ezekiel chapter 22. And when you first read them, it may sound really sad, but I promise I will encourage you tonight. Verse 29, the people of the land, this is God talking to Ezekiel, the people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Catch this in verse 30. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. But I found none. We see that God is talking about the children of Israel and really they're already in captivity. Ezekiel sees, he, he's writing from captivity if you will here. And God is telling them that you are a nation that is fooled. You are a people that are, are full of oppression. You are, you are people that are full of thievery and robbery. You are people that instead of helping the poor and needy, you vex them. And you are people that are not hospitable to those that aren't like you. 
To put it plainly and simply to you tonight, Israel, the people of Israel, had become sinful and immoral people. Israel had become a people of idolatry, sin, and death. They'd become a people that no longer acknowledged God. Sound like America? Sound like the world in which we live right now, the nation in which we live right now. And God, throughout Ezekiel's book, He's reminding them of why they find themselves in captivity. He he tries to relay a sense of urgency to, to get the people to come back to repentance and to turn from their wicked ways and to come back from Him and, and, and try to, to, to ease their suffering. He, he wants them to come back to them and He's saying, listen, the form of judgment that I've placed upon you is the Babylonian Empire. You're in captivity. There's no freedom. He's calling out to them through Ezekiel. And these were people, these were people that found themselves at a wit's end. The Jewish people have found themselves in a hopeless state. They had lost everything. They had lost brothers. They had lost fathers to to wars. They had lost husbands. They had lost nephews. They, They had lost people to the battle. But not only that, they had lost their home. They had lost their freedom. They had lost everything. They were people scattered about an empire. They were a people that were divided. Does that sound like America? They were a people that were divided. Even before the Babylonians even showed up, there was Israel and there was Judah. There was a northern kingdom. There was a southern kingdom. There was a kingdom that thought one way and there was a kingdom that thought another. But it doesn't matter. In this do or die situation, God says, I I have come to them and I, I offered and I wanted to move and I sought for a man. I sought for someone to rebuild the hedge. I sought for someone to stand firm in the gap so I would not destroy the land. And he says, but I have found none. You see that word, and I sought, that word sought, means to search, ask, beg, desire, or request. God is saying here that I searched, I asked, I begged, I desired, I requested for someone in the midst of you to repair the hedge or the walls. I asked for someone among you to stand firm in the gap, or the word can also mean the breach That I should not destroy you. But I found none. You say, what does this have to do with that while you're opening? Because when the Americans found themselves in the 1770s into the 1780s under British occupation, captivity, there was a cry that went forth for leadership. And there came a man that answered the call. And God is saying in this text in Ezekiel chapter 22 that there was a cry 
in the nation, there was a cry from the very throne room of God, repent and turn. And No one heeded the call. No one stood in the gap. No one went to that, that dire situation and stepped up and said, you know, I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the one to stay here. I'm going to be the intercessor. I'm going to be the mediator. And really when you dig into this portion of Scripture, Brother Brian, what God was asking for, and, and you, you can see it, and, and many scholars believe what God was saying for, is there not a Moses? Is there, is there not someone that can intercede on behalf of the people? Is there not a Samuel that I, I can speak to? Is there, not, is there not a leader among you? Is there not anyone that can stand up and turn the tide or change the trajectory of this nation? Is there not anybody that can say, as Isaiah did in Isaiah 6, Here am I, Lord. Send me. I'm up for the task. I'm up for what you're calling me to do. And I want you to know. And I want to bring, I want you to know, I want to bring this to today for you. There is a cry in this land. People don't even realize that they're crying out. The lost don't even realize that they're crying out, but there's something within them. There's something on the inside of them that is saying there's got to be more than this. There is something out there that is real and it is genuine. There has got to be a change in my life. I can no longer be the same as I was. I can no longer operate in my daily life as I am. There's a drug addict right out there. Right now tonight about to shoot up with heroin and they're saying there's got to be more. There's got to be something real. There's got to be something genuine. There is a cry for restoration. There is a cry for something real. There's a cry for something genuine. There is a cry for revival. There is a cry from this nation that finds itself so politically divided. And I want you to know politics divided us uh, so politics can't bring us back together. But it's going to take a church uh, that will be what God is asking it to be and say, I'll rebuild the walls. I'll stand in the gap. I'll bridge the breach. I'll make a way when there seems to be. God, I'll stand when nobody else stands. I'll put on the full armor of God. I'll reach out to the drug addict I'll reach out to the drunkard I'll reach out to the homosexual I'll reach out to those that are lost and hurting God is saying is there someone because where there's a cry there's a call where there's a cry there's a call Men and women throughout history heard the cry and answered the call. Esther heard the cry of her people and she answered the call. Moses heard God speaking to him through a burning bush and God said, I have heard the cries of my people. I will send you to deliver them. Where there's a cry, there's a call. There's a call. God is asking us, Asking, he's saying, I, I, I sought, I'm, I'm begging, I'm desiring, I'm requesting. I need someone to answer the call. I have a nation that is crying out. I have a people that are desiring deliverance and redemption and restoration. But I need a church that will answer the call. I need a church that will answer the call. You see, our world is full of disappointment. 
Right now, our world is full. Our nation is full of hopelessness. Our nation is full. I, don't, I, I know many of you, I, I've talked to some of you, can say that our nation is full of heaviness. That our nation has, really since the Civil War, I heard someone say the other day, our nation has never been more divided than since the Civil War. It, there's people that, that I talk to at work and they'll flat out tell you, we will see a civil war. We will see, we will see this and we will see that. And, and I will see this come to pass and we'll see that going to happen. And, and I don't know what my future is going to look like. And I had a, a man tell me that's been working for our company for many years. Uh, he said, listen, I was going to retire at this age. But now it, it, through some of the legislation that's been passed, there's no way. Uh, there's no way. And the way the market markets are going. There's no way I can retire when I want to. There's no way I can enjoy my family the way I want. There's such uncertainty. There's such hopelessness. There's such, there's such unawareness of what's going on. People are confused. People are hurting. People don't know what's happening. They just, they just see chaos. And they just, see term, they just see the turmoil. They just see the tumultuous times. They see the darkness. They see the clouds raising. And they see the thunder rolling. And they see the lightning flashing. And they feel like it's nothing but rain but I want to tell you tonight that where there's a cry there is always a call there is always a call the people of God went into captivity in Babylon because no one would heed the words of a man by the name of Jeremiah no one would step up and fill the gap with him no one would say you know what we need repentance we need morality we need to serve God we need to come back to the word we need to come back to what God says. We need to come back to what God is relaying through His prophet. We need to have an ear to hear and people would not hear to it. People would not operate in it. And the reason they went into captivity is because there was a cry but no one answered the call. No one answered the call. We've looked. Many have looked and I, I will say that even in the church world there are many that have looked to political leaders to step up and to stand firm in the gaps we have in our nation. And I will tell you, they will do nothing but disappoint you. Pastor has even said from this platform, the issues that this nation is facing is not about red or blue. It's not if you're an elephant or you're a donkey. It's not about if you're a libertarian, you're a tea party. It doesn't matter what party you align yourself with. I heard a pastor preached this last Sunday. He said, listen, Jesus was crucified between two thieves. There was a left and there was a right, but John said he was the one in the middle. Jesus doesn't have a party or political alliance. He's about his kingdom. So I will tell you tonight, this world is looking to political leaders to fill the holes in the walls and to step into the breach. They'll nothing but fail and disappoint you, but what this world needs to see is a unified church come together and say listen we're the wall we're the standard we're the morality we're the people of power we're the people of prayer we're the people of praise what this world what this nation needs to see is a generation and a group of people that will hear the cry and answer the call that will hear the cry and answer the call there's many that have been left broken, hurt, and confused. 
the nation has been left hopeless. And on the inside, there are people just crying for change. They're crying out. Brother Garrett, they just want change. They just want change. I was talking to a young man this week, and he, he texted me, and he said, I want change. I want change. You see, God is hearing the cries. And he's saying, my church in the last few months have begun to hear the cries of, of the people in this nation. And he, he began to tell me in prayer, and, and I, I want to just read this to you as God gave it to me. He says, just as I have called, just as I called for Samuel from the holies of holies as a boy, I'm calling out to a generation even now. He says, I have a word for them to declare. He's calling out even now. He's, he, he went on and, and in my prayer time he began to tell me that he said even as I, I, I manifested myself in the burning bush to Moses uh, I'm beginning to manifest myself to those in the wilderness in places you, you haven't heard of and places you haven't seen. That, that confirms what Pastor has even spoke from this platform that there are going to be people that come from the wilderness. Do you know what is, is the first part of the word wilderness? Wild. There are people that are going to come from wild unseen places but they are going to see a manifestation of God and God is going to begin to speak to them because there's a cry and God's saying, I'm searching, I, I'm asking, I'm requesting, I'm begging, I, I've got to find somebody. I, I don't want to just pass. I don't want to just, if you read the next verse, I, because there was no one, I have to pour out my I have to pour out my judgment. I have to pour out my wrath. Let me tell you that I believe we are standing in a moment that is just like Samson. Yes, we've made mistakes. Yes, Yes, we've laid our, hat, our head in, in the lap of luxury. Yes, uh, we've allowed the covenant of God for some of us to even be broken off of our lives. Uh, but I want you to know that many of us have seen in the falling, in the humbling that God has brought to this nation. They have seen there's nothing like the genuine, authentic move of God in my life. Uh, and I tell you tonight uh, that the hair is beginning to grow back. Uh, the covenant is, the breach that was in the covenant is starting to to come together and Samson he said put me between the pillars lead me to the pillars and he began to pray if I could paraphrase for you God one more time God one more time God before you bring judgment to this nation one more time God before you come back let there be one more harvest let there be one more soul let there be one more lost loved one let there be one more son let there be one more daughter let there be one more brother let there be one more son Sister, come home. God, one more time. One more time I hear the cry. I'm answering the call. One more time. Where there's a cry, there's a call. Where there's a cry, there's a call. Oh. God said, begin to tell me in prayer time. 
He said, I'm looking for someone that is set apart like Noah was. No one else found favor in my sight. But Noah, his family, they were righteous. They were set apart. And he took me to the New Testament scriptures that tells us that we are not to be conformed to this world. We're not to be conformed to what the world has for us. But we're to be holy. We're to be set apart. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the people of God. We are to be set apart. He's saying, I'm looking for those that are set apart. Part. Uh, uh, he looks down uh, and you better believe that God sees all knows all he sees that wickedness uh, and, and evil abounds uh, but my Bible tells me in Romans chapter 5 uh, where evil abound uh, where sin abound uh, grace uh, much more abounds uh, because of a man named Jesus Jesus stood in the gap uh, for me and you why so we could stand in the gap uh, for our brothers and our sisters in uh, our nation and our leaders uh, so we could become the bridge so we could breach the gap so we could stand in the gap so we could build the walls see with George Washington all people all the congress that wanted to demote him before Valley Forge, all they could see was everything going wrong. All they could see was everything falling apart, it seemed. Pastor, it just didn't look good. There was many in the Civil War that would call Ulysses S. Grant, they called him a butcher. Because he would send men to his deaths. And he would say, do you, do you not understand? I, he looked at a reporter, do you not? What have you done for this union? Have you laid down your life to preserve unity? He asked this report. He, he said, listen, do you not understand the cost? The price? But see what the Congress didn't know for George Washington and what the reporters and the public didn't realize with General Grant is the inner workings, what was happening when they were at base camp, the connections that were being made, the unity that was being formed, the discipline that was coming to fruition. And I want you to know that it may look like one thing in this nation on the outside. It may look all wicked. It may look all evil. And guess what? You're going to hear of more evil. You're going to hear more wickedness. You're going to hear of more vile things. You're going to hear of all those things. You're going to hear of more immorality. You're going to hear of more scandals. You're going to see more skeptics. You're going to see all kinds of things. I want you to know. But I, I also want to bring this. On the surface, on the surface, it appears that America is doomed. But on the surface, bondage seemed never ending to the people of God in Egypt. On the surface, the furnace seemed hot on the surface the lions looked hungry on the surface the cross looked too heavy for Jesus to bear on the surface turning the world upside down looked impossible to 120 on the surface the giant was too big and he was too powerful and he was too tall on the surface 300 wasn't enough for Gideon to get it done but I want you to know it's not what's going on in the surface because Jesus said what's done in secret that one day I will reward openly what he's saying is what you see on the surface may not be 
be a true reflection of what's going on in the secret uh, on the inside. And I want you to know tonight uh, that God is, has heard the cries uh, of his people and God is commissioning the call. And I want you to know and be encouraged tonight uh, because there's a church, uh, there's a remnant uh, of the people of God. There is a group of young people that sit in this house uh, that say, I'll devil don't want you to hear this tonight you see it looks like one thing on the surface but it's like the song we sing I think pastor even mentioned it Sunday even when you don't see it he's working even when the news brother Chris looks worse today than it did yesterday guess what it's still working. Why? Why? Because God has sought. God has begged. And I want you to know, he, he has reached out. He has called to the people of God. Excuse me. He's called to men and women of God. And the Lord began to tell me in prayer. He said, I'm not just calling one man. I'm not just calling one woman. I'm not just calling an individual out from among you. He said, but there's a generation within your nation. There is a young group of people that will be spurred on by their parents and their grandparents to, to say grab the glory get a hold of God get a hold of the spirit answer the call of God I'll answer the call of do what God's calling you to do pay the price be all that God has, has created you to be there is within this nation there is a call that is being answered God said there is hope for this nation because there wasn't hope for the children of Israel nobody would stand in the gap he said but there is a wall of prayer that has begun to be erected over the last few months uh, and he said it is impenetrable the enemy thinks he's won the enemy thinks he's got America wrapped up uh, but the enemy doesn't see the souls uh, that are about to come into this kingdom souls that he thought he had firmly gripped uh, those souls that he thought he had convinced uh, that there was no help uh, and there was no trust uh, and there was no hope in God uh, but they are going to encounter a generation that has answered the call full of the spirit full of power full of anointing that will destroy the yokes of bondage and the yokes and the chains will fall off of them they'll come to the music tonight if you'll stand with me across this house it may look one way on the surface because there's a cry all the division, all the stuff being said back and forth. People, people can't even get along with each other in the same church. All that, it's just a cry. It's just a cry. It's just a cry. But what's important is how we respond to the call. Because when people respond to the call, we, we read on in the book of Ezekiel, and we get into Ezekiel 36, and God begins to speak this to Ezekiel. And he said, in the desolate land, catch this, and the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. And they, 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 say, they shall say, this land was desolate, and has become like a garden of Eden. And the waste and the desolate and the ruined cities are, have become fenced 
and are inhabited. What does that mean? What he's saying there is that God is going to turn desolate, broken situations. Just, just like the men in Valley Forge. It looks so bad. It looks so bleak. But God's going to turn it. And he's going to turn desolate places into places that bloom. And I mean, this goes so along with what pastor's been telling us. Uh, and I believe, and I totally believe what God is saying to him about before the spring comes, uh, that something's going to begin to bloom in the spirit. I want you to know it's already blooming. It's already blooming. Because he said the land would be tilled and people would say this was once desolate. But now it's the Garden of Eden. Said in the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build up ruined places and plant that which was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it and I will do it. Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for, the, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. And I will increase them with men like flock. What, you say, what, what does that last verse have to do with anything? I will increase you with men. What, that word in the Hebrew means individual. I will increase you with men. Because in Ezekiel 22, he sought a man. He sought an individual to stand in the gap. He said, I will increase you with men. What? To stand in the gap. But God didn't stop there. You see, when it all looks as bleak as it's looked, there's nothing else but hope. There's nothing else but hope. There's nothing else, as pastors preach from this house, there's nothing else to do but believe. What brought the men through Valley Forge, what brought men through wars throughout our history was the belief in a cause called freedom. But God didn't stop there. He goes into Ezekiel 37 and he says, he says, son of man, what do you see? And Ezekiel says, I see, I see bones, I see dry bones. And he said, son of man, can these bones live? And he said, oh Lord, you know. God said, well, open up your mouth. He prophesied and the bones come together. And then the tissue and the, the flesh and the tendons and the muscle begin to come upon those bones and then flesh covered them. And he said, now prophesy to the winds, and to the four winds. And, and the Spirit of God came into them. There was breath that entered into them. And there, they, there was standing a great and mighty army. Amen. That's awesome. Right? But it doesn't stop there. He goes into verse 11 of chapter 37. Then he said unto me, Son of man, this is God talking to, to Ezekiel, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Wait a second. These were the people that were captive. These were the people that had lost, it seemed, all hope, that lost all sources. He said, this is the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. 
therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open up your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. And when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, they shall say, and shall say, put my, I shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live. I shall place in your own land, I shall place you in your own land, and they shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken it. And performed it, saith the Lord. But as you continue in that chapter, Pastor, he says, Do you remember there was an Israel and there was a Judah? There was a divide. He told Ezekiel, I want you to get two sticks and I want you to bind them together. And when people ask you, why have you bound these sticks together? He said, because, more or less, just to paraphrase, because Judah and Israel are going to be one again. And this just began to speak to me, Brother Brian. The church hears the cry. We need to be sure we hear the call, because if we'll hear the call and stand in the gap, All the divide that politics caused. What if we all stood in the gap and became bound back together? Listen, I don't know what God's plans are for this nation, but I still believe that He's not done with us. So I ask you, not only to hear the cry, but to answer the call because Isaiah said in Isaiah 58 and verse 12, and they shall be, and, and, and they that shall be of thee shall build up old waste places. They shall raise up the foundations of many generations. They shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Psalms 24 tells us, this is the generation of them that seek Him. That seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. And be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. But there's no better way to put what God is doing right now in this generation than the way Peter put it in his book. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's a call because there's a cry. And on the surface, it may not seem like America's experience revived. But I, I, I was telling pastor the other day, I've heard from pastors in other regions. I, I, I heard from Hillsboro, Ohio uh, a few days ago. They said 19 saved in three weeks, 19 baptized in three weeks. They said, we don't even, they're all kids. We don't even know where they come from. They've just come in and God is doing something. Listen, God, the, 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 the atmosphere that we've been feeling in this house on Sunday morning, it's not by accident. It's because there's a cry. And God is now calling. 
Is there an intercessor? Is there a preacher? Is there a teacher? Is there a missionary? Is there an evangelist in the house? Don't let God say, and I found none. But let him say, as he told Samuel, I found one. I found a king after my own heart. So tonight, I ask you to come. I ask you to stand around these altars. I ask you to kneel at these altars. And I want you to get a hold of God. Because there's a cry. And God is calling. We're not doing a school of ministry just because we thought it would be fun and we needed to learn some stuff. No, it's because there's a call. So I'm asking you tonight, church, everyone that would, come as they worship and they sing praises to God. Come. God, what's the call? What are you calling me to do? God, let me hear the cries of those I go to school with. Let me hear the cries of those uh, that I, I work with. Let me hear the cries of those uh, at family dinner. God, let me hear the cry. Uh, let me see the brokenheartedness. Lord, let me be a light in a dark place. Oh God, there's a call because there's a cry. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, more of you, more of you, Jesus, more of you, Jesus. Hey, everybody, Pastor Ron, I pray that today's message and program has been just a great blessing to you. And I just uh, am so thankful that we had the privilege to come into your home today or wherever you may be watching. I would encourage you to uh, continue to follow us. We're on all of the major social media platforms. Uh, we have podcasts that you can follow us with. I would encourage you to reach out to us and let us know. Our information's on the screen. And uh, if we've been a blessing to you, please contact us. Let us know. And we look forward to sharing the word of the Lord with you again uh, next time. God bless you. We'll see you soon.